Welcome to another episode of Tea with Nikki. Today, Pride Monatlala joins me on the podcast to discuss about how to untraditionalize your career and how she's done that with regards to serving from a place of purpose and she's purpose-led. Pride has held notable roles at Brand South Africa, Mondelez, Stanlib, Nedbank, and the Fashini Group. And today she's the Global Marketing Officer for Goodleaf Wellness. And she helps guide entrepreneurs on creating brands and business models that have a positive impact on the earth and communities uh, at the Branson Center of Entrepreneurship South Africa, where she is a non-executive director as well. She has also done a TED Talk most recently, where she looks at how corporates can stay ahead by reimagining their role as accelerators for entrepreneurs. Also, being a champion for women in professional entrepreneurial spaces, she serves as the director at She Says Cape Town, which is the only global network for women in advertising and other creative industries. She's also an alumna at the Zanele Mbeke Fellowship for Female Leadership in South Africa. Pride has an MBA from Gordon Institute of Business and her academic research is published in the Journal of Brand Management. I really thoroughly love this conversation with Pride. I feel like we could have just spoken forever and ever. Maybe there'll be a part two, I'm hoping, but I really hope that you enjoy this. She gave so many wonderful insights about purpose, about being a thinker, how to untraditionalize your career, what that means exactly. So I hope that you enjoy. I'm so glad that we could finally find the time to meet with one another. I know we met some time back and been in touch, but no, you're a busy lady. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. No, perfect. And thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Of course. So you're currently the global marketing officer at Goodleaf and you've mentioned and spoken about untraditionalizing your career before. So I just wanted to say, what does it mean exactly to untraditionalize your career? I think when we were talking about, you know, untraditionalizing, it was also in the context of what we've known as traditional careers mm. versus what we have today. You know, when I studied, uh, wow, I nearly said the year. Uh, <laughs> my undergrad, when I did my undergrad, um, early 2000s, um, there was a lot of careers that were not available to us. Um, it's not like I could have been a digital anything. There, mm. there was nothing. It, it was sort of IT in the traditional sense that we know it. But more than that, it was also about graduation. I distinctly remember at graduation time, I attended my a friend's graduation who was in law and another friend who was in accounting. And I loved how all the keynotes were about the trajectory that they're about to you know, their, their trajectory, where they're going to go. Mm. And what the, what the content was about, you know, becoming a CA, taking your board exam. You know, there was a very clear path. And then afterwards, how many years you do this with the lawyers, you know, how you become, yeah. you know, advocates. It was all very well paved. With marketing, it wasn't very clear. What do you become after you graduate? You know, yeah. you become just the marketer, uh, activator. So it wasn't very clear. But once I got into the industry, there was this linear ladder that, you know, you kind of get given, you get told you'll be an assistant brand manager, then brand manager, then marketing manager, then head of marketing, then, you know, it's all very clear, these steps that everyone kind of puts out for you. And that's the linear version of career that you sort of get used to. Mm. And if I take it out of the marketing context, we all have it in our industries, whichever industry you're in, 
um, there's a there's a nice beautiful ladder that's set up upwards that that is very traditional and you know what it is. So when I say untraditionalizing your career is very important, I mean that breaking that tradition in mm. different ways and forms. The first being maybe breaking out of industry, you know, not just staying in one industry. Um, I started in, in, in advertising, I moved into FMCG, and then I just stayed in FMCG for so long that I was, I was feeling like I don't know enough about brands outside of the brands that I work on. So breaking channel, like going into financial services, completely changed my life, you know. Um, had I not taken that step or stayed in the traditional, it, it, I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm. Another way could be to step out of um, not just the, the category you're in, but industry altogether. I remember when I left corporate to join public sector, um, I joined um, Brand SA back in the day before it was Brand SA. And I remember <laughs> our, our marketing director telling our CEO that I'm making the biggest mistake of my life, you know, going into public sector. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of like leaving private sector, public sector. Um, people don't understand why you would do such a thing. You know, mm -hmm. private sector has so many perks. My career was on the up and up. But I had a gap where I felt like the work that I'm doing is not necessarily beneficial, even to the country that I am in. Like, how, how yeah. am I making any impact? You know, am I even um, not just the force of influence, but am I changing, truly changing people's lives? So I wanted to go on that journey by myself. So going into what was deemed, you know, public sector at the time um, was a big shift. But that alone was unheard of. You, you don't break the channels you're on. You're already on your way to marketing manager. Why would you go into a different industry? So untraditionalizing for me is, you know, how do you take the journey that you've been told and really question whether it's the right journey for you? and find non-traditional cues that you can take on um, that'll teach you something about yourself, that'll sort of build a different version of you, you know. Um, I also wanted to quote like a book by, um, I don't know if you know Musa Kalenga. Um, no, he's I don't. The new, yeah, he's the new CEO of the Brave Group. I'm so happy for him, you know, okay. he's brilliant, 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 brilliant. And I, I used to work with him back in the day um, at, at a bank, at NetBank, and he came into NetBank from being an entrepreneur into that space, you know, so um, into a formal job. And I thought that's phenomenal for an yeah. entrepreneur to cross over into, you know, a space that's actually very formal, very traditional in a sense. Um, that's also untraditionalizing for him. And yeah. I bet some of what he learned in that moment have catapulted him into this epic digital being in in his space today but he wrote a book called ladders and trampoline mindsets okay. and in that book, you know he describes the night it's a really amazing book you should get it and um he describes this idea of a ladder, ladder mindset where you mm. kind of go your career ladder and trampoline mindset where there are things that you do that springboard you into new spaces that you would have never been in and and create differentiation in your career um similar to that that's what for me untraditionalizing your career means it's like taking those steps or growing new branches of self that actually catapult you into different spaces you will have never in your wildest dreams thought you would be in like new categories or crossing over from being in a corporate career into an entrepreneurship career and vice versa yeah so I mean the I most mean, uncommon one heard is really going from like entrepreneurship into the corporate space because you think once an entrepreneur always an entrepreneur 
Exactly. And, you know, I like that you're using that example. I don't know if you've ever met, um, sorry, I'm dropping names today. No, that's fine. Drop the names. <laughs> it's fine. Like I, I watch their journeys, you know, you meet people and, you know, they think you're just friends. And I'm like, no, I'm also just inspired. I'm enamored <laughs> by the brilliance. <laughs> I love thinkers. That's my mm. thing. I, I spend all my time, you know, seeing how people think and, and how they make decisions and how they influence um, the world in a positive way. But one of the people is um, Noabisa Mayema at the Branson Center of Entrepreneurship. Noabisa has been an entrepreneur her entire life. And she's now taking on this role at the Branson Center and she is killing it as the head of, strate head of strategic partnerships, which is so fitting because as an entrepreneur, she was yeah. creating partnerships with different people and different groups of people. Now she gets to do it in this environment where she can multiply um, the impact she can have for entrepreneurs, you know, so she calls herself an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs as opposed <laughs> to I'm in corporate or I'm an entrepreneur, you know, yeah. and works yeah that's not traditional and no. that's brilliant okay and then how, how did you come to a point in your careers when you have made those transitions to to untraditionalize it you know going from private to public and all the different industries how, what kind of mindset were you in when when was there like a point when you were like I need I need a change mm. I think the there wasn't one single point. It, it, it was almost growing into self in some way. So when I was in varsity, I, I worked to pay for my fees. So, mm. you know, I started a company. I had like two other odd jobs and I still took out a student loan. So it was quite a lot to juggle. Yeah. And somewhere in there, I, I felt that my entrepreneurial spirit or rather my saleswoman spirit, you know, I think I'm, I'm a bit of a saleswoman here and there, kind of came alive. And, and knowing that about myself, you know, kind of started propelling me to constantly question whether where I am is mm. where I, I'm placed and if there's more I can do. But, but the thing that's been driving me most, most of the time to change or to switch or to figure out something new is um, the word we pass around a lot, you know, the search for purpose. And um, from the beginning of my, not even the, from when I was young, I've constantly questioned, you know, what impact am I having on people? on environments I'm in, um, how am I leaving spaces better? It wasn't necessarily that I knew that that's what I should do. It's what I desired to do. And mm. so a lot of times when I, when I made these changes, it's when my space didn't feel like I personally was contributing at my, my peak in terms of you know, adding goodness into the world or where I felt that I was skating. I'm no longer having to think too much. I can do this with my eyes closed. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm just here now. I know, I know how to do that, which is a, a great com comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Comfort zone uh, gets such a bad rep, right? People say, you know, when you're in your comfort zone, growth doesn't happen. But I'm here to tell the women, Comfort zones have a place and time mm. and it's called rest. You know, when you're training really hard for something, rest day, that's comfort zone. So yes. please do use your comfort moments. We do need sometimes to just rest and not have to think too much. But if you stay in that place too long, the truth happens is that you do lose your momentum and your age. So for me, purpose kept driving me like, am I in the right spaces? Am I fulfilling 
um, a purpose and, and my understanding what impact I'm making. This is not just for marketers, by the way. This is for anyone who, who actually gets up in the morning to, to use their talent for something specific, you know. So that seeking purpose is what was my, my, my push each time to see if I can grow a new branch in mm. the new space. I can learn something different. And then just the yearning to learn was the reason I'd move. Oh, I love that so much. And just from, from that off the back of it, what would be some tips? Maybe someone is in their comfort zone, um, but looking to get out or, you know, maybe someone is reflecting, are they in their comfort zone or whatever? How can they untraditionalize their career or know that, yeah, it's time to maybe make a shift, untraditionalize it, or maybe uh, is there a way that they can untraditionalize the role in itself? Maybe they like the company, but maybe not the role. Mm-hmm. I actually like that you mentioned that liking the company and not the role, because a lot of times when we start nitpicking at our discomfort, we start mm-hmm. with big change. You're like, no, yeah. you know, I'm throwing it all away. I'm moving. And sometimes that's not really what, you know, you should do. So the, the first thing I would say is, um, you know, none of this comes from outside you know none of the feelings you're going to have about growth or the the need for growth or the need for for change or any of that none of it is going to come from outside most of it is innate in us you feel like something is missing there's a gap so the first place to start is inside it's with self so practically I'll talk about the philosophical but I always say to people just can you be practical like can you give me like a practical example like an exercise right so sometimes when you feel like you want change we always look outside we'll say you know, I think it's my job I think it's mm. my company a lot of times it's just you yourself um, inside and you first have to identify what's what's the gap is it a yeah. growth gap have you reached a ceiling of what you're doing currently um, are you not getting the opportunities for growth because sometimes you're lacking um, one that's a blind side that most of us might miss is you're sometimes in already in a space or a role that's too big for you and you think you're doing great mm. and maybe no one's giving you feedback but sometimes you have a, a, a deficit you know you have a gap between where you are and where you yeah. should be so we, we tend to talk a lot about um, you know imposter syndrome when you have arrived in the role and you're good yes. at it you don't feel that way we don't talk about the other version when you're actually not yet Fitting the mm, that's shoe, actually such right? a good point mm, we don't have that conversation I had it once where I was given a role and it was just too big for me but I was so my ego was was on fire <laughs> I, I how did you I, call I, yourself out on it oh um or someone else called you out somebody else called me out several times and we had built such a trust relationship that by the third time she said it um, not so gently so either I, I, I took notice and I, mm. I, I pulled myself back and I asked myself are you really even trying to deliver to the role are you even applying yourself or are you living off the grandeur of your last win at the last role you had and, and I really was I was I was you know I was so successful in the previous role I felt that I, I deserved the new role that I have but I had mm. not picked up just the gap that was between me and the role I had not picked up that I need to grow so the internal interrogation is important and asking yourself honest questions usually helps and if you don't have capacity to ask yourself honest questions pick an honest partner you know mm-hmm. um, mine you know I had I 
have still um, different people that I asked, you know, uh, I think of Tinigo, who's a good friend of mine, we're in the same industry, um, and she's brutally honest in the gentlest of ways, but she'll tell you exactly what she's thinking, and she will not sugarcoat um, the things you'd like her to sugarcoat, but she'll definitely give you the depth of her knowledge in those moments. So get somebody you trust and talk to them, but do the internal interrogation so that you don't make changes for the sake of, so that you can say, okay, this is this requires me to learn or this requires me to have the confidence to exercise what I already know or this requires a new place a shift you know sometimes this requires a new city or even a new country but you'll know yeah <laughs> yeah so do the internal interrogation first one of the tools I use to also do internal interrogation is I also try and add a new branch to myself so I'm really talented in marketing strategy and but when I was coming up in my career I had a lot of um, roles that were about implementation so I was mm. really good at implementation but like precise my attention to detail was amazing which is great but I had not yet gotten the chance to delve into strategy I hadn't gotten the chance to use my mind mm. and, and make dots right so I had to grow a new branch while I'm interrogating myself about what I know so what I did there is I took on an additional project um, at work and that gave me the 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 slight stretch to start experiencing um, what strategy feels like as well and I started tagging along as well with the head of strategy at our agency you know mm. I just befriended him and I was like look, I just want to learn what you do and understand your space because it gave me insight into what they do as strategists. Suddenly I was like, oh, there's a whole world out there that I actually don't know much about. So let me, you know, let me exercise and learn. So growing a new branch, which is a new skill or a new mm -hmm. interest while you're interrogating helps you see yourself in a different light as well. So, and it also just, just sobers up the ego a little bit um, yeah. if you don't, trusted friend to tell you so that's the first thing I would do look inside the second is I would just do a, an environmental audit of self and really it's it's looking at yourself as if you're telling somebody a story you know write your short bio you know that about me um, mm. and but write it in such a way that you're also referencing where you've been and where your ambition is to go and then suddenly it becomes clear if you're in the right place or not you know if you say um um, pride, you know, I started in marketing, uh, advertising, I moved into activation, and my ambition is to become a great thinker, or, you know, uh, someone whose ideas are x, y, and z, then I have to sit there and go, okay, none of the things you've mentioned so far speak to strategy. Yeah. So how are you going to be this idea person or thinker if you have no um, hours in strategy, you mm. have to get some hours so I'm carrying on about strategy because it's actually like my favorite part of my job you know and in, 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 you know in the day when things land where you're like this is my superpower <laughs> Finally. <laughs> whereas you can't change your mind so don't put so much pressure on yourself to make this life-defining moment that's going to change everything and you'll never be able to x y and z so it must be the perfect answer there are no perfect answers it's a journey and it's a path so you have to just go on it on your own. So first build your new branch and see if there's new things that you know, and just do a local audit of your space, um, you know, the organization you're in, the city you're in, maybe in the wrong city. You know, I always think if I was ever going to start over and be a creative, now that I live in Cape Town, I'm like, wow, this is like <laughs> the center of 
creativity and, yeah. and, and I would want to be here you know I would if I could if I could have a do-over as a creative that's where I would want to be maybe you're not in the right city for certain things you know mm. um, so those are the things you can start asking yourself and then look outside at things that look attractive or interesting or be curious outside of your category and then see what comes up somewhere in those lines your gut will tell you what's going on and then follow it just take the lead don't don't overanalyze it. Obviously, plan. You're an mm. adult. Um, but don't, don't, you know, don't sit there looking for the answer. It's fine. Go. Be about action. Be a verb brand. You know, don't be a noun. Be a verb brand. Be about action and do be it. Be a way verb way. brand. I love that. Yes, verb brand. Just go out there and just do it. And you know, if you get there and you're like, this is not what I was looking mm. for, change your mind because you can. You're allowed to change your mind. I think the biggest fear that people have is that they make a decision and they feel like, oh no, I effed up and this was not the right choice. And then it's, I think it's that admitting that you, you failed or that it was wrong or those kind of things. And it's like, oh my gosh, what are people going to say? Now I did this whole thing and I made a thing about it, but actually it's not me. It's not for me. So I think that's also the biggest fear when it comes to making a transition or moving industries like going out of your scope I mean you've come from financial services retail and now you're in the cannabis sector at Goodleaf which is so different as well and I'm sure you must have heard it throughout the transition in your career journey like why are you leaving financial services why are you leaving retail why are you going into you know, this cannabis sector, which is really obviously pushing the envelope because it's only sort of just become normalized. When I make a correction, I joined the wellness industry. Sorry, wellness. Thank you. Um, So it is the cannabis industry, but I call it wellness. And um, I've always been into different alternative ways of looking at my life and try and be well. So that's been a big part of my journey. Mm. from personal experiences that have led me to really take care of myself, but also just from watching um, people like my parents who look super young, not like young, young, but what I mean is like they've taken such good care of themselves and just looking at their vitality and lifestyle, I just wanted some of that for myself. Mm. I've just never been able to take my career choices and merge them together with the things that I really love, like wellness as an example. And yes, I could have joined a different kind of wellness industry, but I also love excitement. Yes. I industries that are that are emerging, that are about to do great. Into cannabis, the cannabis industry, from a wellness point of view, mm. any business plants um, that that you know anything that's alternative medicine, I'd be yes. very interested. So for me, one that hasn't been paved yet, I'm like, hey, let's do this. Let's do it properly. Let's do it in a way that can benefit people, that people can enjoy the category. So I do love that excitement. Yeah. But I wanted to, I wanted to merge what I what I want, which is a well, like well-lived life with what I do every day. And I wanted those mantras to be together because for me, it's one of the most important things for me is to have that balance, but have it, or rather that alignment, but have it every day as part of my life. So that's what I want. Yeah, I think, let me make the correction. It's not like cannabis as in like you go to a coffee shop in Amsterdam. <laughs> it's a, it's cannabis wellness products, like good leaf, um, those, those C- CBD sachets. So it's to help with anxiety, yeah. it's wellness. Um, I know that also you just mind. got live with Good Mind. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about Good Mind? It's an amazing product, which is, 
again, you know, functional mushrooms, but for your mind, it helps you with focus. And it's it's the kind of product where when I tried it at first, I've read so much about, about different mushrooms, but I didn't know, you know, when they say focus, what it means. Literally, as you go into the, the category, you want to start learning about the ingredients as well, which is very beneficial. So that's it's functional mushrooms and it's literally sachets and supplements that you can take in the morning just to help you focus, help you keep your energy up, but also for your mental well-being, not to have this anxiety hanging over you um, the whole day. It really has that beautiful effect. I'm going to send you some so you can try. Yes, yeah, no, I definitely want to try. I can do a little review on the page. (laughs) Yes, please. Yeah, that is not traditional. And I think for me, that's what's exciting, you know, but how often do you get to start at the beginning of a brand journey and actually take it global. You know, as a marketer, I like to tick off different things. I like to say to myself, have, have I been in a category that has been a dominant category? Yes. Have I been in one that has needed a turnaround? Yes. Have I been in a category that has needed to take over a competitor? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I, I didn't quite have yet is like, have I been part of something from the beginning and, and gone global? Not yeah. founded global on global so this is that chance so i'll let you know how it goes i'm excited yeah and i think it's also such an interesting space to be in where you know marketing functional mushrooms and it still does have the stigma around it but people are so quick to prescribe antidepressants and all these pharmaceutical chemicals where this is a natural product that's been created just heard so many things about side effects with antidepressants and they're so easily prescribed but Uh, like a small little functional cap or tablet or sachet it's um how long do you think that'll take for psychologists to start thinking maybe we can do this because there's not not that many bad side effects unless you overdose or take more than what is required or prescribed to you there's actually already a lot of studies um that have gone into you know things like you know, what reishi boosts your immune function and, you know, lowers your anxiety and improves your sleep. So lion's mane clears your mind. There's a, there's actually a lot of studies already that support that. But I think the, the distinction you're making there is very important, which is there are a lot of functional plants that have a bad rep, you know, for whatever the history, you know, when you read about the history of cannabis, it's, it's not a good story. It's sad. It, it's, it's dark, very yeah. dark. And it's, it marginalizes a lot of people. You want to bring, you know, as a new, as an emerging industry, you want to bring those stories to light. So you don't hide behind the dark. You actually emerge with stories of good and change what used to be. So a lot of plant medicine does get a bad rep, but that's because it's plant medicine and it's natural. So it should be good for us. Mm. And we should all actually have access to it because it, like <laughs> it's in it's literally here you know it, we we should have access to that as the people and we should be able to use it as need but i think the way things have gone with um the world pharmaceuticals it's a long journey to also mm. get people to understand um the differences and i think over time when people start seeing the benefit of 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 different types of medicine the more choice will people will have to say i want to use for example functional mushroom formulas for myself as opposed to this tablet or this drug i want to you know take care of myself over time get better every day at something i want to use cbd for pain um, as opposed to popping a pill so that i too you know can teach my body how to heal itself so those are some of the things that the options that you want to give consumers you want to you want consumers to be able to take care of themselves 
and actually take steps to being better every day as opposed to being a cure, getting cure for something. You know, now you can actually have a bit of pre-health as well that you add yeah. to your, your daily routine. And I think that's important. I think just big pharma has been around so long and they've got so much money. It's quite difficult to kind of get out from that stigma and they've perpetuated their products and things. But I mean, I've had a lady on the podcast who has depressive episodes and she used microdosing to help her and uses it now and then rather than pills. And it's helped her and improved her. And she knows so many people that it's helped as well. And I mean, you see those videos that trend online as well with using CBD oil or butter or those kind of things for people who have arthritis or chemo. I know a girl as well, her grand was suffering with chemo, nausea, vomiting. And it's, and she said she was always against uh, CBD and cannabis, but then her grand started using it and she was eating again. She was a nausea she wasn't vomiting anymore and the pain there was a lot of pain relief so I think more of those kind of stories that start circulating as opposed to these dark stories like you're saying with um, what the history of maybe what functional mushrooms and and cannabis has maybe then more and more people will be open to trying it and then I think it's just all of it's it, you're really all about changing mindsets in your career the whole time because yeah. people when banking went digital oh gosh no I want to go into <laughs> the bank I don't want to have to then do it online and now I think oh gosh I don't want to go into a bank I just want to do it online that's what we do you know and I think having that out you know on the one front what you were saying about um you know people learning new ways of doing wellness even. Um, don't worry, the pharmaceutical companies are also looking at this. So everyone's going in because it's, it's a true thing that's happening. But not only, I was just reading a report now about um, in the US that opioid addiction has gone down since the legalization of, of um, CBD and cannabis. So wow. you see different effects and, and evolutions. And so the whole industry will evolve and every player will come along and, and the consumer will benefit. But from a mindset point of view, it's, it's really agency, give people agency to have true choices about what they need, you know, unlock their minds so that you can ease their worlds in some way. The fact that, that my mom doesn't have to track to certain places anymore to go buy something, she can just go online, you know, um, is a beautiful story um, for, for an old 70 year old who wants yeah. to have great so I think we can make the lives of mainly for me right now, South Africans, but really everywhere in the world so much better just by constantly searching for new ways of doing things. And that's what I've wanted my career to represent. And if people can walk that journey and find their own purpose in that, that's, that's what I'd want, you know, like that's, that's what I guess makes me get up every day. <laughs> oh, you make me feel so inspired. I'm like, yes, I can go take on the world. I'll do everything. <laughs> change people's minds this purpose <laughs> <laughs> loved listening and chatting to you about you know the alternative holistic methods of uh, wellness but I want to come back to a point where you were talking earlier about being a thinker and having that sort of personality trait and type how did did you figure that out when you were learning about strategy that you were interested in and knew that you are a thinker or did you do one of those 16 personality tests <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> I think I think I always knew that I, I like to know the background behind things and I like to solve problems um but when I started in the industry like I said you start as a as a junior brand manager or an assistant or or any of that so you're constantly running and implementing um 
And, it, you know, in, in a lot of those moments, I would ask, oh, okay, cool, can I have some context? You know, mm. how did we get to this moment? And they'd be like, no, just go do it. <laughs> you know, I've given it to you, go and do it. And I found it very frustrating not having the, the, the opportunity for context and the opportunity for connecting the dots and the opportunity to contribute, you know, that one additional, oh, have we thought of this or have we thought of that? And having a bigger picture in mind as mm. well, I found it very frustrating. So I think some of those were signals that there's something more that I'm looking for, that I'm seeking, that is more natural and innate in me. Um, that I wasn't getting from from um, the current role and I just attributed it to being young and being curious when I get to the point where the strategy is clear and I want to actually start implementing then the jigsaw puzzle is easy to put together because you've already interrogated all possibilities of something amazing and so I know we've spoken about this previously as well um when you mentioned being a thinker, how would you suggest someone who maybe is a thinker, how they can monetize their ideas? Because obviously it's an idea, maybe they're not an implementer or they can't take action, but they've got this brilliant idea. Ooh, child, when you find out, let me know. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> no, the reason I say that is, um, you know, I opened a consulting agency for strategy and you will not believe how people want your thoughts and your, 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 you know, your deep analysis, but are unwilling to pay for it, you know, yeah. unless you walk in there with someone else. So you walk in there with a guy or you walk in there with a big agency or with a big company. But I, I struggled to, to get people to just stick to the, the fees I had put there. Mm. And I had to really stick to my guns and, and, and really just say, okay, cool, you know, we can't work together and um, suffer whatever consequences that come with that because yeah. I was also teaching myself I was also on a journey relationship with money and understanding how to not just generate money but to value the the result it can bring when it's there so I was on also on my own journey but my first thing that I acknowledged was people don't know how to pay for thinking people don't know how to pay for ideas or the true the true value of ideas you know or even the tweaking of ideas and thinkers are struggling to value their thinking. And I'm one of them. You know, I, sometimes I get it right. And then sometimes I don't, I undervalue. Um, but what, what I will say is that you have to keep uh, exercising your intuition around what you think something is worth. When you're purpose-led, there's a tendency to then also look at some things as should be free because it's gonna change the world stop that <laughs> you have bills to pay <laughs> yeah i can't imagine it's like oh but this should be accessible for everyone, it should be accessible like, for everyone. yes that's a beautiful put a price to it so that it's accessible to everyone <laughs> i feel like i just want to sit and ask you so many questions and pick your brain as well i'm having such a nice time but <laughs> like limited on time as well so i need to move on with the podcast not pick your brain but just talk to you it's just been so delightful <laughs> so i'm just gonna um bring it to the end of this kind of interview portion of the podcast and it's a question i ask everyone that comes on is that what does feminine leadership mean to you hmm feminine leadership i think it means a style of leadership that anybody can exercise with a male or female although usually attributed to females um, just by default I guess yeah. um, but that sort of puts empathy first and puts 
puts um, humility first and, and understands problems from a different way, you know, um, that puts people first. That's for me, feminine leadership. But like I said, it can be men or women who exercise it. It's not necessarily only women. Yeah. In fact, in other cases, it's not women. Yeah. Um, yeah, so either way. Amazing. And now moving to a segment I like to call the ABCs of your career. So <laughs> A, what was your amazing, affluent Oprah Winfrey aha moment in your career journey? It was when I realized there are no actual rules. I can go anywhere and do anything. And actually doesn't matter. That threat that everyone says, oh, your CV, this, it's so busy. Yeah, I can, I can observe my CV and I can show proof of what I do. But actually there's no rules. And I can skate, skate anywhere I want. So that's what I did. And B, what was a business blunder turned to blessing? I wanted to, when I had my consulting agency, I had the best concept for a big pitch, mm. but I didn't go pitch because I felt that I was, you know, a one man, one woman band at this point, but I did have a team, but I just felt small compared to when I went to, when I went to the, the, the pitch process, I met all the other agencies and I was like, oh, I, there's no way I can do this. And I didn't pitch for it. Um, it was a blunder because the idea I had was it probably what they needed but how it turned into a blessing is that they remembered me from the first process even though I didn't pitch and they called me for something that was actually way better suited for for, um, what I wanted to do and I wouldn't have been considered for that if I had pitched for the first one amazing yeah that's a nice little blessing in disguise yeah (laughs) and see what was a cinematic worthy comical cock-up moment I won, this is so long ago, um, I was still, you know, the girl who was like, oh, your work will speak for you, don't tell anyone what you do, but the work I did won an epic award in our organization, and at our big uh, event, uh, annual sales and marketing type of event, where everybody's there, the CEO calls out the winning campaign, and I don't get up to go get my um, trophy and prize because I just felt that it was a lot like I it, it didn't feel what's the word I didn't feel worthy of going up there even though no. I worked on it. I let my boss go up and I didn't go up and <laughs> when she got up there the CEO was like where's pride and I was under the table <laughs> I was so shy I was hiding under the table and someone had to drag me under the table <laughs> and say, um, they're looking for you. <laughs> Go up oh there. My God. And it was the moment I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get over this, this insane humility, nonsense humility about the work that I do and just stand up for it. But literally, I went under this. As soon as my name went up, I went under the table. One went up. I was like, come on. Oh, no. <laughs> I can imagine. But now there was a spotlight already at the table. Oh, no. So I to like drag myself from under the table. And I'm bowling my eyes out. The makeup is just like, oh, I oh, was no. before like I knew how to wear like um, uh, waterproof makeup. Yeah. It was, I went up there. All the pictures still have that mascara look on them, but at least I'm smiling. Yeah. You know, but for the rest of my life, the, you know, before internet, 
everyone will remember that picture. It's the girl who was like literally just under the table in her big ball gown. That was she definitely like, a colorful yeah. moment. <laughs> yeah. And then to just close off the interview, it's just a quick fire round of questions. So first thing that comes to mind. So number one, if you could change people's perception about one thing, what would it be? Uh, time and growth is not linear. Sometimes you're growing up. Sometimes you're growing sideways. Sometimes you have to stand still longer than you thought you would before you can actually the real, get the real growth spurt. So you're not losing time ever. It's just not linear. Just oh, understand that and get comfortable. Oh, I love that. I need to apply that to myself. <laughs> and the worst piece of advice you've ever received? You've got this. People say that all the time, all the time. They say that you've got this. Don't worry. You've got this. Right. And it's not that I don't believe it. It's just that sometimes you don't got this. And, you know, as a woman of color, as a black woman, people forget that sometimes I don't got this because the system's not allowing me to got this, even mm. though internally I feel like I've got this. So I think I've, you've got this is the worst advice you can give me as a black woman, um, because I also need to remember to ask for help, for example, yeah. if I don't got but because people say, you've got this, I don't ask for help because I'm like, I've got this, I've got this, even though I know I haven't got this, you know. Um, so there's something there that's still not balancing out for me, but I don't like that advice. You've got this. I just don't got it sometimes. Okay, it's a very interesting take on it. And then what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, this one. As a traveler, put your mask on yourself first before you assist other passengers and kids and needy <laughs> that is the from best. the airplane <laughs> that is the best advice ever okay i'm assuming you're gonna make it philosophical as to why that's the best advice it's similar to the one i gave earlier about the worst advice which is that we have to, we have to, as women, remember that we have to take care of ourselves first. Mm -hmm. If your cup is not at least at a place where it can even flow anywhere, what are you flowing out? You know, mm -hmm. take care of yourself. Very sage advice. Um, and the next question is that, I don't know whether you read more nonfiction or fiction, so you can answer either one of these, but if you want to give a fiction recommendation, you can. So if you could live in any book, which would it be? And then the other question is that, what is a book that you would highly recommend to read? If I could live in any book, it would probably be Women Who Run With The Wolves. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, I think it's a book every man and woman should read. It just tells you the true essence of women, even the side that we, society doesn't always let us unleash and put out there and who's um, the author so yeah. um, Pinkola Estes and then a book I would recommend now I recently read I've been reading a lot of um, sort of center centering books but also mm -hmm. a lot of business books. so I want to give two one is uh, the surrender experiment it's Michael A. Singer Okay. And it's about surrendering to what life has to bring. And then I must be the only person who hasn't, who just only re read this lately, which is Mastery by Robert Greene. It's just the laws of mastery. Okay. And it's a really, it's a really good book, like um, just about the laws of how to 
you know, attain that mastery, but also understand what it's like to be an apprentice, which speaks a lot to what we were talking about earlier. Mm. In some areas you're starting, some areas you're a master, and how do you know which which moment you're in, and how do you navigate the different moments? And also, Musa Kalenga's book that I mentioned earlier. Yes, I want to that. That sounds cool. The last question is that three people that you would have dinner with, dead or alive. I know it's a tough one. <laughs> I can see you just being like only three. <laughs> I, I said three. You know all the thinkers in the world of thinkers. Carl Jung, um, because I, you know, I've just studied over the years his his thoughts, his development of the archetypes, and we use that in marketing strategy. But I've just been so fascinated about it. Beyonce's mom. Okay. I just feel like if you make Beyonce and Solange, I just want to know, you know, I just want to know. <laughs> what's I, I like that. It's like, yeah, what's, your formula? what's in that baby, baby <laughs> formula that you fed them? Yeah. <laughs> what did you do there? Like, tell us about it. You know, she's just such a mama as well. Like on social media, I follow her. And I think she's really, um, she's, she's amazing. You, I have no idea. There's so many people who I just watch and, and listen to everything that they put out. And I just want to eat it all up. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. You. Oh, well, thank you. Okay. I, I, I will gladly accept. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. In the, last, in the last two conversations we've had, I've just been fascinated with just how you've thought about something that you want to put out there so simply and without hesitation, just put it out there and just your thought process without overanalyzing. I, I just want to hear more about that. I feel like and we need to have a sequel. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Pride, for joining me. I really do appreciate it. It's been such an incredible conversation. And like I said, I feel like we can just chat and chat and chat. Maybe we should just have a dinner or something. So then we can... <laughs> I mean, you're in Cape Town I now really as well. I really enjoyed this moment. There you go. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this moment. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pride.